Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. It's amazing. And what I want to do today is I want to take that very next step from where we left off last week. Last week, we ended with talking about how the Spirit is the one that comes and brings life. And we are, we are, we're dead to the law. The law has no more control or power over us. Jesus fulfilled the law, and now we live in the newness of the Spirit. And as we go into Romans 8 today, Romans 8 is all about what it means to be Spirit-filled. To be Spirit-filled. Now, now Spirit-filled, whenever we start talking about the Holy Spirit, there, there's all kinds of thought processes around the Holy Spirit. There's been a lot of experiences with the things of the Holy Spirit, right? There's a lot of, of, of history that we walk through and, and different things that people have said and different experiences that we've had. But hopefully today what I want to do is just paint a really, really clear picture of what a spirit-filled look, life looks like, what it is, and, and definitely what it isn't. Because the reality is that a spirit-filled life, the way God intended it to be, is powerful, like, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about something. That, that who the Spirit is that is filling your life. As we jump right into Romans 8, verse 11 says this. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So what is the Spirit that lives in you? The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead and what spirit is that? It's the spirit of the living God. If you belong to Christ, you put your faith in him and you're following him and living for him, you have the spirit of God living in you. Like that's, that's really cool. And I think too often we forget the power of the spirit that is inside of us. Too often, we, we boil our life down to this idea of, of performance and doing things and, and, and trying to just live this sort of life all on our own, forgetting that God not only said, this is the way to live, but by the way, I'm going to give you the spirit to enable you to be able to do that. It's an amazing gift that he gave for us to be able to do that. So in Romans 8, we're going to talk about what it is to have this spirit-filled life. And if you want a title for your notes, I think I put it on the text notes, but if you want a title to write down, I want to call today The Great Partnership. I don't always mention the title of a message that I do, but today I do because it's actually really, really important. The Great Partnership. And I call it this way because in Romans 8, Paul is going to lay out a beautiful partnership between us and the Spirit. Because there are some things that we have responsibility for. And there's things that the Spirit is doing. And it's in this that we live in this responsibility and understanding who we are and what our part is to play and what is the Holy Spirit's part to take care of in our lives. It's really important that we don't go and start doing what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do in our life. We're, we're, we've got our lane. We've got the thing that God has called us to do. And we are responsible for that. And the Holy Spirit has already done what he's supposed to do. And so this partnership that goes in. Now, now in this, what Paul's going to do is he's going to talk about your mind. 
Your mind is the center of your and mine responsibility as a believer and follower of Jesus. Our responsibility as we live for Christ and as we live out what this this new life in Christ is, it all centers around our mind and the renewal of our mind that takes place. Now, I want to just walk through a few things here today to hopefully paint a picture, and I want you to see if you can relate with this, because um, the reality is that my body has a mind of its own, and it's not a happy mind. Can anybody else relate? Your mind is not naturally happy. <laughs> it's, it's just not, okay? See, see if you can relate to this. Put this next one up, Okay. My mind, see if this is your mind, naturally, I'm not talking about spirit-filled, I'm talking about what your mind naturally thinks. My mind naturally worries, fears, grows angry, looks for comfort in all the wrong places, replays unpleasant memories over and over again without being prompted, fixates on what's ever negative and gets upset before it even recognizes what's happening to me. And this is effortless. Can anybody relate? (laughs) Your mind does the same thing, right? And you're just like, I haven't even told it to think that. And I'm like in the pit of despair. And I haven't even done anything yet, right? Your mind has this natural disposition to do this. So then what happens is if that is true of our mind, which it is, I think we're all on the same page here, that our natural fleshly carnal mind thinks that way. If that's the case, when I realize these thoughts... I try to stop, but that brings only a momentary halt. And as soon as I relax, they're right back again. Can anybody relate? We try to like, just think through differently, just think different, think better. And then as soon as you're like, okay, I can relax. All of them are right back there again. This is the reality. Next progression. If this goes on long enough, It will actually wear me out physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Anybody ever been there before? Where everything in you is just exhausted, completely spent, because your mind is running you over like crazy. And then finally, as my sleep becomes disrupted, my patience grows thin, and I become discouraged. Really uplifting and encouraging stuff, huh? Now, here's the thing. No wonder Paul says that this kind of thinking leads to death. Makes sense, right? If that's the way that our mind is naturally wired to think, no wonder it leads to depression, anxiety, doubt, all of these things that just tear us up inside because our mind is running circles around us. What we think about and how we engage our mind is important. Battles are won and lost in the mind. The mind is powerful. What we fix our mind on, listen to this, will have an automatic effect in our life. What we choose to set our mind on has a natural outworking in our lives. The mind is powerful. Now Romans 8 talks about what this fleshly mind does, this mind that's so prone to, to negativity and so, so prone to, to, to taking us away and getting us into this dark place. 
Romans 8 talks about this. It says that the number one on your notes is that the fleshly thinking is set on the flesh. It's, it's actually set on the flesh. Romans 8, 5, the first part of verse 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. Now, what does this mean? If you look up this Greek idea of set, to set your mind, if you look up this meaning of this word, this is what it actually means. It means to fixate, to fixate on the flesh. Your natural mind, without the power of the spirit, fixates on the things of the flesh, the things of the world. But not only does it fixate, it actually savors it. Oof. Whoa, you're telling me that my natural mind savors what is the antithesis of God? Yeah. Not only that, it actually, this is, this is again, this is the meaning of this Greek word, this Greek term that's here, is it actually cherishes the same view. So in our mind, if we have our mind set on the flesh the way Paul's talking about, we actually cherish the view or the perspective or the point of view of the flesh, okay? You, you, you can see where this gets us in trouble, right? Now, I'm painting this picture because there's some really, really good news, but I gotta paint this picture because too many times in our Christianity and too many times in our walk with God, we think it's all about simply just thinking better, thinking right, just, just powering through and getting our thoughts to think right. But what, what Romans is actually talking about, what Paul's talking about in Romans, is that that is actually impossible on your own. So why do we keep trying? We, we, we fill our minds with, with self-help books. We fill our minds with all these. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those, so please, please hear what I'm saying here. But we fill our, our minds and our thoughts with all that, thinking if I just have enough of the right tips, tricks, and techniques, I could get my mind to actually do what it's supposed to do. And the fact is, your mind is bound, it is, it is, it is chained to the flesh without the power of the Spirit. It's impossible for you to think right without it. You've probably experienced this in your life, but I'm just telling you, it's, it's, some of the, it's some of the hardest news for us to hear, but it's also some of the best news that we can hear because there's, there's hope. The second thing that Romans tells us is that the fleshly thinking is actually hostile to God, that our natural sinful minds are actually opposite of God. Verse seven says this, the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Our natural minds, there is no way for us to submit to God. Hostility towards God means enmity. It actually means hatred. This is strong language here. That your natural mind that is bound by sin is actually at opposing forces with God and actually has hatred towards God and the things of God. Like this is not a good place for us to just be if we were just to be left to our own. The third thing, fleshly thinking is not submitted to, to God. The, the fleshly mind does not submit to God. Verse seven, same thing. The second part of those is it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to. 
Without the Spirit, submission to God is impossible. There's no way for us to live a surrendered life to God on our own without the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can start and we can have great intentions and we can actually think, you know what, today I'm going to get up and I'm going to just, I'm going to make sure that everything that I do is focused on following God, living for him and all this. And we can have the best of intentions that if we don't have the spirit of God inside of us, empowering us is empty, comes up empty. You guys hear what I'm saying here? Okay, a couple more from this passage. Fleshly thinking is unable to please God. In our natural mindset, what we are locked in in sin, we are actually, it is impossible for us to please God. Why? Because the things that please God won't please us. And we want in our natural mind to do what pleases us. I know I'm not talking to anybody in this room, so it's totally fine. Verse eight. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Like I said before, the answer is not just simply thinking better. We need help. I don't know about you, but I recognize I need help. Ellie and I were talking just this week, and we were having one of these really hard conversations that are really good conversations to have. And the realization, I'm realizing, I've got some thinking, some mindset, some ways that I think. I'm telling you, as as your pastor here, I'm being very vulnerable. I've got some stuff where my thinking is messed up. And I'm telling you that it does not work for me just to think a little bit better. That never works. If you tried to live a life of that, and you've tried and you've been bound in a life that's like, man, why can my mind not adjust? Today, I'm gonna be different. Today's gonna be different. And then it's just as frustrating as the day before because you get to the end and nothing was different. Oh, no, 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 but today's gonna be different. Today is, and then you get through that day and it's not different. It's a discouraging place to be bound into this mentality and this thinking that I just have to think better. We need help. And this is what Paul talks about. Because Jesus has not left you on your own to figure out your thought life. He has not said, here's how to do it. Good luck. He said, here's how you do it. And here's the helper to do it. He sets us up to win. He not only shows us what a renewed mindset looks like, he says, and here's, here's the guy that can help you do that. All you need to do is to listen, submit, hear, and walk in that power every day. So what does the spirit do? If I take these things out of Romans that I had just mentioned, that the fleshly mindset goes into, if I take those and I now apply the Holy Spirit to this, this is what the Holy Spirit does, number one helps reset our affections. How many of you would just like your affections and what you focus on and what you think about and what fills your mind to maybe be renewed and shifted a little bit? How many of you recognize maybe some places in your life where you're like, you know what, if I was to take a gauge on what actually takes the majority of my time and my thinking, it wouldn't really necessarily be the things of God. Maybe your mind's filled with worry about a lot of things. Maybe there's other distractions. I tell you what, this world offers a lot of very enticing distractions. 
And it's very easy for us to be fixated on there where all of our affections can be directed there. The Holy Spirit comes and says, listen, I want to do a work in your life so that your affections can be towards the Lord. Man, it is a totally different life when we realize that our affections, our emotional dependency and desire is for the Lord. That's a beautiful place to live. He helps us set our minds on Christ. The second thing the Holy Spirit does is he helps us to be agreeable to God. Agreeable, not hostile, not off doing our own thing and the antithesis of what God is. He actually helps us to agree with God. It's where it shifts from going, okay, here are the things, this is the way that God said to live and I have to die to myself and I have to pick up my cross and just do another day of uh, carrying the things. Holy Spirit comes and says, no, 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 no. I'm actually gonna change your heart to where your heart goes, no, I actually, I actually want to live that way. I, I see the things that God has illuminated in scripture and, and I, I want to live that way. When it, when it talks about how I should treat my spouse and my kids and the people around me, I, I, I want to do that. When it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you, I, I actually want to do that. That's the Holy Spirit that does that work in us, that actually aligns us to where it shifts from people that are doing something to serve an amazing God to people that actually agree with what God has said and let their lives align with that. The motivation is completely different. You know what it's like when you do something because someone says this is what you're supposed to do. It's another thing when you go, I've got the vision, I've got the heart, I've got the background, I know what he's, I know what God's up to, I know what he's trying to do, I know what it means to extend the kingdom here on earth, I know what it means to push back hell and darkness, and I am in for that. That's what the Holy Spirit does and shifts in our life. Pretty cool. Okay, number three, the Holy Spirit helps us to surrender to God's way. Surrender to God's way. Not our way, God's way. Which, by the way, this is a minute-by-minute process. I think it's impossible for us to live a fully surrendered, submitted life 100% of the time. Because, man, we just want to do things really bad. But the Holy Spirit helps us to be surrendered, to submit to his authority. There, there is a shift that takes place in life when we as the people of God who align with God and say we are going to live for God, we're going to follow him, our faith is in him. There's a shift when we go, and by the way, he's actually the authority in my life. Like, like I know maybe some of my inclinations about how I want to live my life naturally, but you know what? I am going to say he's the authority which means if he says certain ways about living and how we're supposed to live, he calls the shots. So I'm going to do what he says. Authority is a, is a really interesting thing because a lot of authority is abused in our day and age. There's, there's, there's more examples of abused authority than there is good authority. But in this, as we learn what it means to actually come alongside to submit to the authority of God. There's a safety, there's something that happens that takes place that's just this amazing thing that happens. Four, the Holy Spirit helps us to please God. To please God. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He helps you to actually live this life. Now on top of this, 
Um, there's some other amazing things that the Holy Spirit does. So I'm going to try to go through these fairly quickly, but probably not because I get really excited about it. So I probably won't go through them quickly. Other things that the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit has given us the spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit is the one that has sealed you with Christ. There's this beautiful thing that when you look at salvation and the journey of salvation, you have a justification where you put your faith in Jesus. That leads to a life of sanctification where our life is being transformed and changed and renewed on a daily basis that culminates in adoption. When we stand before God one day and this whole thing comes to a final piece, this is the work that the Holy Spirit does in our life. Verse 15 says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We're, we're, we're adopted into the family of God. We're adopted as his sons and his daughters. We're not here just, just living life, doing our own thing. Man, we are kids of the king. Yeah, that works. Kids of the king. Kids of the, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to remember that one. We're kids of the king. Okay, the, second, the, or the next thing the Holy Spirit does, not only does he give us the spirit of adoption, he makes us co-heirs with Christ. Oh, this is really cool, guys. 16 and 17 says that the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs, heirs, of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we, this is the great news, suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. There are the benefits that come with being a child of God that we actually get and they come through the spirit at work in our life. This is really cool stuff. The next thing, the Holy Spirit, is the down payment of what's to come. Jesus said this when he went up to heaven. He said that he was sending the down payment, the first fruits, and that was the Holy Spirit in our lives, of what was to come. Verse 23 of chapter 8 says, not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan, or we also, um, groan within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. The Holy Spirit is the down payment, the first fruits of what's to come. The idea is this, just to put all this in perspective for us. We are earthly, physical beings that are spirit. Yes, we have a peace that we live here, but you are actually a spirit being here in a physical form. And what this does is it allows us to go what the Holy Spirit does in our lives to prepare us for who we really are supposed to be. It, it, it does a work in our lives where we don't have to be trapped to the flesh. We don't have to be trapped to sin, but we actually can live in the perspective and the kingdom of God through the spirit. This is what's so powerful about the spirit that I love. The next thing, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Oh, this is one of the best, some of the best news in the Bible right here. When we are weak, we are strong. Why? Because the Holy Spirit inside of us. When you are weak, he's there to help you. Romans 8, 26, the first part of this verse. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Now, I'm going to come back to this because this is going to tie in to bringing all this together. But the next one, the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. 
Again, thinking about what the Spirit does in our lives and what the Spirit unlocks. The Spirit actually helps us to be able to know how to pray. There, there, there's, um, prayer, I think, is one of those things that if you think about, is one of the biggest like, insecurity points for us as believers. Wouldn't you say? Like, especially if you're in groups, you know? Who, who wants to pray? Like, in front of people? Like, like out loud with my voice? Like, n- no, no. It's one of these biggest insecurity places. But the Spirit empowers you to give you the ability to pray. Right. Teaches you how to pray. Right. Well, figure out what fancy words you want to use. No. It's not about fancy words and eloquence and all that. It's about the Spirit empowering your tongue. Giving you the words to pray. Verse 26, the the second part of verse 26. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. The Spirit's at work in us. Now, there's this flesh thing, but there's a responsibility that we have. There's the power of the Spirit And this is where this all comes together for us in this partnership, okay? An important note for us just to remember. The flesh compels us. It it draws us. It, It tries to coerce us, tries to pull us away. But the spirit leads us. Now, what's the difference between those two things? If the spirit is leading us, we have to choose to follow. The flesh will always compel you to go the ways of the flesh, the ways of sin, to get stuck in your own mind. The spirit says, listen, I've got a different way for you and I've got the power you need to live this different way if you'll follow me. So it puts that choice in our hands. The mind of Christ is available, but it's not automatic. Think about this. The mind of Christ is available, but it's not automatic. There is a resource. There is a strength. There is something that we can draw on day after day and situation after situation, but we have to make a choice to pursue and to tap into that spirit at work inside of us. This is the human responsibility piece. This is where we have free will. We have a choice to actually step into the power of the spirit at work in our lives. This last week, Ellie was driving to uh, Trader Joe's to get food with Dustin. And she was driving down Eustick. And as she was driving on the side of the road, on the, on the sidewalk, was a, a Canadian goose that was like running full tilt down the sidewalk. Like web feet and everything, just booking I don't know what that was because geese don't do that, but was just booking it down the road, right? And so they got to the intersection and slowed down and the goose just kept going down to the intersection, crossed the crosswalk and kept going down the street. So the light changed and they went through the light and, kept, and then they passed it again. And it was like still full speed running down the sidewalk, mouth open. Ellie was saying the beak was open. The thing was just like, ah, 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 I couldn't help but think about this life that we're supposed to live in the spirit. We are not called to be a goose that doesn't fly. We're called to fly. And it's the spirit that empowers us to be able to do that. 
The spirit of God enables you to be who you were truly meant to be. Not a goose running on the sidewalk. You are not a running goose. Who are we designed to be, you guys? We are, we are sons and daughters of the king who have been given the Holy Spirit to live different, act different, be different, influence our world around us, influence people with the kingdom of heaven to push past darkness, to push back all the attacks of the enemy in people's lives. This is who we are called to be. So we are called to have renewed minds and strengthen our hearts, and we are called to be powered and empowered by the Holy Spirit through everything that we do. This is who we are called to be. The Spirit enables us to live that kind of life. Now, the partnership, and this is where I bring it all together, okay? The partnership. What is our responsibility? Because we have a responsibility to play here. The Holy Spirit, we see the work that the Holy Spirit does is amazing. And by the way, the work of the Holy Spirit is not conditional. The Holy Spirit does these things that Roman talks, Romans talks about. He actually does it. He's already done it. Like it, that, that part's a done deal. Whether we actually make the decision to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, to step into and receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and to be able to actually move out in that is a different issue. And this is the choice that's had to be made. So what do we do? What do we do? Paul wrote, writes to the, the church in Colossae and says this in Colossians 3 verse 2, to set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What's our responsibility? To set. Remember, same word, to fixate, to savor, to cherish the same views, to agree with the things above, not the things of earth. Well, if that's the case, there's some things that need to take place. Philippians 4.8 says it this way, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, and what is lovely and admirable, Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So it sounds like you said that we can't just get our minds to think better. And now you're saying that you just have to think better. You are a confusing pastor. Yes, I am. Here's the thing. Is it that simple? Yeah, but it's also impossible, which is why we need the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. Is it as simple as saying, what am I thinking about? What do I spend my time focused on? What are the things that I allow in here and in here? And am I being very, very careful to make sure that those are coming from right sources and good sources? And the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to do that. As we look then at more of the writings of Paul and in Romans, and we're going to get here in a few weeks, but Romans 12 simply says this in verse 2, not to be conformed by this age. How are you conformed by something? Well, you think about it all the time. You fixate on it. 
Your major intake is all of these other sources that feed and control and manipulate and change your mind to literally what you have fed your mind is who you become. Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't be conformed by the world. You can hear the pleading in Paul's voice. Don't be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to come and to transform our mind. We had a, we had a pastor who we served on his campus for a while, and he was an incredible guy. He was like, like a fireball speaker, uh, communicator, prophetic, prayer. Like, like he was one of those guys where you talk to him and he would like read your mail. Like, it was like, wow, wow. Like he was like, he wasn't afraid of nobody. He just went for it. And he was an amazing man named Jack Loman. And we got to serve with him for, for years. Well, Jack Loman was diagnosed with ALS. And I watched in a matter of months, weeks, him go from this fiery guy that was full of energy in life to someone who was paralyzed in a wheelchair, couldn't even move, couldn't even talk, and, and, and just would sit there, could barely even smile. And I remember at, at that point talking to him one day, and it was at the point where literally all he could do was um, use like, he had his glasses and he could like type out on the screen, you know, what he's thinking, and then, and then you'd be able to read it. And I asked him, I said, how, how, how do you do this? Like, like how, how do you do this? And all he said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, that's the key. You want to fight against anything that the enemy would try to attack you with? Let the Holy Spirit renew your mind. And he said for him, that was a minute by minute battle. Every minute was a battle. Whether or not he was going to listen to the lies of the enemy that were going to distract and detract his thinking, or whether he was going to again come back and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to give me the right thoughts. We do the same thing. We have this choice every single day, y'all. We have the choice to say, I'm just going to power through and do it on my own. Or Holy Spirit, Come again, change my thoughts, help my thinking so that my mind will affect my life to live for you through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is, this is what's so important. I fix my mind on Christ and draw near to God through the word, prayer, and worship to open my spiritual eyes and ears. This sounds really rudimentary, but I'm telling you right now, this is the nuts and bolts. This is where it comes down to. Are we in the word? Do we have an active prayer life? And is worship a part of our life? These are the things that God uses to renew and replenish our mind. So for you to be able to take an evaluation of your life, what does your word life look like? What does your prayer life look like? And what does your worship life look like? Well, I don't sing, don't care. It's you and God anyway, and he created your voice. So all he wants to do is hear you sing to him. These three things that need to be evident in our life, these are the things that God uses to be able to transform our mind. 
if, if, we, if we ever you know, start to say, well, man, I'm, just, I'm really, really, really wrestling with my thought life and I just cannot get control of it, the first question I will always ask is, are you in the word? Are you daily in the word, reading, letting it deep, sink deep down into your spirit to actually be able to have life working effect in you? Are you praying? Do you actually talk to God? Do you actually bring things to him and say, God, I need help right now? And, and do we actually worship? I think that something would be drastically different for us if we had these things totally active in our life all the time. The word, prayer, and worship. Okay? So three keys for this, and then I'm going to conclude. Three keys. First, if we're going to live, and these are super practical, super practical. When we begin the day, wake up with a plan and purpose. What's the purpose of when you wake up in the morning? Today, I'm going to be ambassador for the kingdom of God. I'm a child of God and I'm going to go out. And in everything that I say and everything that I do, I'm going to make sure that people see Jesus in me. I'm going to do everything I can to push back the gates of hell in people's lives. I'm going to see breakthrough. I'm going to see freedom take place in people's lives. I want my words to be ones that encourage and lift up and bring life into other people. If we wake up with a purpose in our lives and a purpose, it drives us and motivates us. And also a plan. If you're someone and you're like, I want to get up at six o'clock and I want to start reading and getting in the word and everything. And I know that I push the snooze button at least 10 times, maybe set the alarm for 530 and start the process. This is super practical. I'm just, I'm not trying to say anything, but failing to plan is planning to fail. Just saying, I didn't say that somebody else did. Wake up with a plan and a purpose. Second thing is this, throughout the course of your day, return often to the awareness of the spirit. See, it's one thing to wake up in the morning, and I'm guilty of this, start the day in the word and worship and prayer, and then we start the day. And it's not until evening that we even have one iota of a thought about God. What are we doing to return on a regular basis to hear what God is saying, to get a download from the Holy Spirit, to be able to be in touch with him and listen to what's happening in our life. We have to be careful to tend what happens in the morning times. And then in the evening, and this is, this is a big, big deal that I think gets overlooked a lot. The last of these things is in the evening, we entrust our mind to the Spirit's care as we go to sleep. Okay, th this is a big deal because when you're asleep, you don't have control at all of your thoughts. Your mind does all kinds of crazy stuff when you sleep, right? Anybody been there before? Like, I don't know where that dream came from. Your mind does all kinds of crazy things. What if, though, we ended every day by saying, God, as I go to sleep, I'm entrusting my mind to you. Would you protect my mind? Would you protect my thoughts? Would you keep me in peace? Isaiah 26, verse three says this. This is a great thing to pray over yourself. The Lord, to the Lord, you will keep my, the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting you. God, as I go to bed tonight, I trust you, and I'm trusting that you will keep me in perfect peace. This is the process. Does this make sense? This is very practical, but hopefully I'm painting this picture of this partnership that exists between us and the Spirit, our part and the Spirit's part. Now, 
As I conclude, and as Paul concludes chapter eight, with just some wind in your sails. Are you ready for this? First one, God is for you. Oh, come on. God is for you. Verse 31 says this, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is invested into you being free of your fleshly mind so that you can be spirit minded. And he's so for you that he gave you the spirit so that you can be able actually to live in that. He's for you. He's done everything for you in this. The second thing that Paul tells us at the end of Romans 8 is that in Christ, we are more than conquerors. You think sometimes it's an impossible situation to have this battle of the mind and to, to win in this battle of the mind of what I do? No, I'm telling you what, that if you are in Christ Jesus, you are more than conquerors, which means that sin and shame and all of these things that try to keep you bound, you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus because of the Holy Spirit in you. Like this is something that we can take to the bank here. And the final thing, oh, that was verse 37. I'll read it. Now, in all these things are we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And the final memory, uh, reminder for you, God is for you. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. And the final thing, we are inseparable from the love of God. Inseparable from the love of God. Verse 38 and 39 says this, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come or powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And how many would say amen to that? This is the power that's wrapped up in here. So this is what Paul tells us, okay? You have a mind that is naturally at animosity with God. The Holy Spirit comes to renew your mind. And as there's a renewal of your mind, there's a part that you play to make sure that as the Holy Spirit is renewing, I'm focused on the right things that I don't look to and focus on the wrong things, but I'm focused on the things of, of above. As I'm doing those things and those things come together, then the promise is that God is for you, that you're more than a conqueror in Christ, and that he, you are inseparable from his love. This is this whole package deal that exists. So my thing to us then is as we go out this week, what happens if we were to live that way? What happens if we were actually to live that way? that you have the Holy Spirit renewing your mind, strengthening your thought life, coming to lift up your mind and allow you to focus on the, king, the things of heaven and not the things of earth, to actually be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out as his kids and his ambassadors and, and doing what he's called us to do in this place. What happens if we were to live like God is for us, that we're more than conquerors in Christ and that we're inseparable from his love? That would change some things. For you this week, my prayer for you is that you walk through this week knowing God is for you. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Because of the victory that he won, you also have that victory. And remember and remember, there is nothing that will separate you from the love of God. I hope that encourages you. I hope that you can walk away with fresh wind in your sails around that. 